what we have to realize is not so many times what we've been promised, but it's what we're willing to fight for that we've been promised. And that's, that's throughout the scripture. I mean, that's not the way we want it. And, and we have, so we have to be careful, even with our theologies on grace, that it doesn't remove our part out of it. Because we have to understand that, that God gave the promise of the promised land hundreds of years prior to the happening, but it took battle after battle, city taken after city taken, for the promise to be fulfilled. If somebody said, was it God or them? It was God empowering them. It was God working in them. It was God working in them, empowering them, and helping them. And that's what God's going to do for you. God's going to work in your family. Somebody says, Jerry, my family is a mess. Well, God's going to empower you, and God's going to help you, and God's going to work through you, and then what you can't do, God will supernaturally send help for you. But you've got to understand that we all have a part to play. So many times people come up up to me and they say, Jerry, I am called, and they begin to share with me the calling. But when a person says, I am called, I know there's a huge responsibility for the fulfillment of that. But see, because it's not only those that are called, it's those that are called in what? Faithful. That's why the Bible says not only must you have a calling, you have to have a faithfulness to that calling. And literally, if it's going to be anything in Jesus, it's going to take everything you can do. And it's going to take your whole life. And it's going to take great sacrifice. And it's going to take, because the promises of God are that good. The promises of God on anything are so good that it's going to take everything that you can muster up, everything that you can believe for, and everything that you can stand in to bring it to pass. Now, I wanted to start this year right. I don't want to. I don't want to sing a fable to you. I, I don't want to sing a lullaby to you when God's not asking you to sing lullabies. He's asking you to sing war songs. And so that this year is going to be a year of war songs in this church. And and I've just determined. I, I don't want another one to die without knowing that they can fight through that thing. I don't want to. I don't want to see another one fail. I don't want to see another family fail. I don't want to see another marriage fail. I don't want to see another health fail. I don't want and without realizing that we can fight through this thing, and God can empower me. Somebody say, God can empower me. God can empower me to overcome this in Jesus' name. That's why the Bible give us the title, not laziers, but overcomers. And that's why, because there are, that that's going to be blessed in your life is going to be taken and overcome by the power of God. And the reason you're going to get up and pray early in the mornings or, or pray at night is because there's no other way you're going to be able to accomplish it. Amen. It's going to take everything you can do and everything you can believe for and everything that you can trust in Jesus to empower you to cause the will of God to happen in your life or to allow it to happen. Praise the Lord. Now, Psalms 27, 8, 8, I just love that. It's a verse we've been looking through the Christmas season. But I love this verse. In fact, I went and just planted it right the very first of this message today. Uh, it said, I heard your voice and my heart say, come and seek my face. How many of you can hear the Lord saying that? You can just hear God speaking to your heart. Come and seek me. Come and seek me. This is a season to, to draw close. This is the time to draw near. Now, the, the messages that we preached during Christmas, they was to pre, preset this season that we're entering into this year. So they're not separate. 
What I'm saying is the, the message that God gave us in Christmas through the wise men and through the, uh, uh, the shepherds to, to come and seek Him, that is the leading message of our life this year. That God's drawing, is trying to draw us close to Him to be able to see some things happen for Him in Jesus' name. So, okay, I heard your voice say, come and see my face. And, and something happened, the Bible says there. My inner being responded, Lord, I'm seeking your face with all of my heart. Amen. I'm going to talk to you today about the, the power of the presence of God. Uh, this month, uh, your pastors, different pastors are going to be speaking to you all month. And we're, we're coming with the message of warring with. Warring with. Because this is going to be a year of war. Now, I know we don't want it. I mean, last year, it was a real hard year and a difficult year. But that's just what the devil plays into people's games with. The devil will make it hard. He thinks he's going to make you quit. But I'm going to tell you what. You're not a quitter. (laughs) I tell you, you are. Somebody say, you are not a quitter. You are not a quitter. You are not. You're going to stay the whatever it takes to see God's will happen in your life. I tell you what, the type of people that I am uncomfortable around is quitters. It's <laughs> those that refuse to go the mile. Those that give up in the dream. I tell you, if God's dream's going to happen in you, you're going to have to stand against all hell to see it happen for the glory of God. Because all hell is engaged in stopping God's dream from happening in you. And so if you're going to watch it take place, honey, you're going to get out of that lazy streak. And you're going to have to stand up and say, you know what, I may be tired, but I can get tireder. I'm just going to keep going because that's what God's called me to do. And we're going, to, and, and the reason that we seek God, the reason we want His presence, because God's able to give us supernatural strength. Does anybody here today need supernatural strength? Do we need the supernatural? Because that's why we seek God. That's one of the major benefits of seeking God. If God gives us that when we, when our go-to gets gone, then God is able to re-strengthen us on the inside to get up again and keep going. So God's going to strengthen you again. I mean, almost you're going to have to rebel against God not to let Him do it this year. Because if you'll keep hanging around people that's going toward Jesus, somebody's going to get a rope on you and pull you toward Jesus. God's got a will for it to happen in your life. God's got a, a purpose that God puts you on earth to do. And one day soon, you're going to have to stand before God and, and apologize for not doing it or praise God that it happened. And so God is doing a work in our lives. This year it's going to take war. I feel like there's two W's that's going to be big in our life this year. And one is worship, because it's going to take worship to be able to fight against the forces of darkness and release God's purposes. And then it's going to take war. It's going to take worship and it's going to take war. Now, there's another big, big W that goes in the middle of that. And the other big W is the Word. It's going to take worship. It's going to take the Word of God. And it's going to take war for your life to work out. And so God is trying to help us right here at the very beginning of this year to get that 
in, our, in under our belt. Praise the Lord. Well, I just love Psalms 84. Uh, but we're talking about, and I'm talking today about the, the strongest weapon in your arsenal. And the, and the strongest weapon in your arsenal, and this month is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be bringing weapons. I'm warring with and and, and those are going to teach us how to war with the Word. We're, then we're going to have those that teach us how to war in the Spirit. Then we're going to have those that's going to teach us how to war in worship. And then we're going to have those that teach us how to war in, uh, in unity. Or various things. But we're going to learn how to fight back. We're going to learn not to be at the mercy of the devil. We're going to learn that there is... A strength that God can still bring forth in my life. So, but today I'm talking about warring with the presence of God. How that the presence of God in your life is one of the strongest weapons that God will use in your life. Now, let me say at the beginning of it, to have the presence of God in your life, so many people take the presence of God for granted. But it's going to take some effort in your life. It's, it's going to take effort in my life. It's going to take some growing up. It's going, it's going to take me developing spiritually. It's going to take me willing to lay some things down that the Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts that need to be laid down. It's going to take an, a life of obedience. It's going to take those things... To be able to bring each one of us into the presence of God in a much more real way. Now, I've talked to you about Christmas, about there's different levels of the presence of God. And some of you may have the presence of God enough to get by, but you don't have enough presence of God to get over. And what God's going to have to help you to do, if you're going to be an overcomer, God's going to have to bring you into a stronger presence of himself. And to do that, it's going to take a more emptying out of us. It's going to take a more death in us to bring us to more life in Him. And so God is going to believe, God's going to use this year to literally cause us to be able to take up a cross that God's given to us and to follow after God. Now, I tell you, our whole life leans on the cross. But there is a cross that God asked me to take up. My whole life, and most time our faith operates around His cross. But there has to be an obedient cross in each of our lives. Now, now this morning, Elaine and I, as normal as our day is, we take communion. And we lean heavily on the cross during our communion times. This morning, Elaine and I took communion. The process of that, we, we recognize the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus, then we lean our life on that. Well, God, by leaning my life on Him, then God empowers us to take up our cross. Each one of us have a cross to bear. Each one of us. Some things God is going to empower you to win, and some things God's going to empower you to just overcome. Some things God carries you over, some things God's power will carry you through. But God's, God gets the glory for all of it. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, Psalms 84. It said, God, your presence is our defense. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for that? That the presence of God is your defense? 
It says, God, your presence is our defense and your kindness look upon the faces of your anointed ones. For the Lord is brighter than the brilliance of the sunrise. Wrapping himself around us like a shield. He is so generous with his gifts of grace and glory. And those who walk along his path with integrity will never lack one thing they need. For God provides it all. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, for me to be able to think about warring and developing and standing against the devil and the same thing that Jesus has been sent to this life to do is destroy the works of the devil. God's placed us. Listen, God placed you in the family that you're in to destroy the work of the devil. God placed you on the job that you're in to destroy the works of the devil. God placed you in particular in this town to destroy the works of the devil. God placed you at this particular time and this season of this life to destroy the works of the devil. God placed us in the midst of this COVID uh, epidemic to where that we would destroy the works of the devil. Whatever it is that's going on in your life that's of the devil, that's why God put you there in the midst of it so God could use you to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Now, in so doing... Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. We're going to talk about Joshua and his efforts. But it says, have I commanded you? Have I not commanded you, God says? Be strong and courageous. Now, I want you to know, when, when God spoke to this to Joshua, it's because Joshua was not strong and he was not courageous. That's why that we all have commands of the Lord. The commands of the Lord are to make us what we're not. Because with that command, breathed out by the Holy Spirit, comes the empowerment to be whatever that word says. And so in this process here, he said, have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. When you're not courageous, be courageous. I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says, if you're afraid, just do it afraid. There's a process of a warrior mentality, praise the Lord. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Man, if there's ever an hour that the people are discouraged, that's what God says, take your discouragement and defeat it and allow courage to arise in where you have been discouraged. Richard, I love the victories that you have won health-wise over these past two years. Because I love that in the midst of seeming like what the devil tries to dump on you as discouragement, I watch you and Sarah defeat that thing down and arise with that encouragement in the midst of that discouragement. And God empowers you. Praise the Lord. There, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God's with you. Why? All right, so that's the answer. The presence of God. The presence of God is, has within it the empowerment to defeat discouragement and to build courage and to build strength in our lives. Amen. Praise God. So God wants to. This is going to be a year of training ourselves, training our spirits, man. We've got to begin to think strong, be strong, able to handle difficulty. Somebody say, I'm able to handle difficulty. 
You know, in the world, the people that make the most money are those that handle the biggest difficulties. If you wonder what's wrong with your paycheck, that could be a problem. Because even the world places such dividend on that one that's able to handle. How much greater does God? You need to quit complaining to God. You need to stand up and say, God, I thank you that this problem is going to turn and your victory is going to come out of this. Amen. God sent you into that problem. God needed somebody that he could trust that could blow that problem down. God needed somebody that could defeat the devil in that area. And so God sent you there. So never complain. Raise your hands and praise God for what God's going to use you in in completing this for the glory of God. Amen. God's got you there for purpose and for plan. Amen. Now, the Old Testament is full of people that situation after situation, they proved that the presence of God was their victory, was their weapon that, that God used against it. We could think about Moses, certainly, when he was fighting the, the, those in, uh, the uh, Amalekites, and they were in the valley, and Moses was on that hill. And Moses consistently left his hands raised before the Lord. There's some battles that you fight that you're not going to be able to leave intercession for a moment. There are situations that we face where the Bible says it takes prayer without ceasing to be able to defeat that thing. That's not every battle. Some battles are less, but some battles are more. But in the and we're taught right there. From the life of Moses, there's battles that we fight that it's going to take somebody somewhere with a hand raised toward heaven that's not going to give up, that's not going to get discouraged, that's going to keep trusting God through the whole thing. Now, you be that one. You be that one that said, you know what? Whatever I'm going through out here, I know where we are up there. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then, like Elijah, that was able to to face... Uh, uh, such uh, depression and unable to defeat, although he was able to defeat the prophets of Baal. But when he began to fight against that spirit of depression, that thing began to lay him down. And even though that Elijah was the mighty man that he was, all of a sudden he found himself praying to die because that spirit of depression had come upon him. But he knew the answer. Sister Darlene, he knew the answer. And that's why he traveled through, through thick and thin to get to that cave. Because when you realize that the battle is more than you, then there is a run that comes within our spirits to get to that place in the presence of God. That God, what we have not been able to defeat, that God is able to defeat for the glory of God. So Elijah walked in that cave, depressed, discouraged, suicidal. He walked out of that cave empowered by the Spirit of God, ready to accomplish the will of the Lord. Whatever it is has backed you down, honey, then all you need to do is find a cave where you can talk to Him and get the presence of God in a greater way in your life, and that thing cannot stand against God. Amen. And then, of course, Jehoshaphat. Examples all through the Bible. Uh, Jehoshaphat woke up one morning and, and seemingly his world had ended. What, what should not happen, 
what he thought could never happen, it happened against him. Found his whole, his whole world had been surrounded by the devil. But Jehoshaphat, I love what he said. Instead of putting his eyes on the problem, he said, my eyes are upon you, Jesus. He put his eyes upon the Lord. If you're going to be strong, you're going to have to determine. There are certain things I'm going to have to take my eyes off up. You don't go to God complaining about your problem. You bring your problem and you say, I'm bringing you my God. And you allow your God to work in that problem. Can you say amen? So we could just go on. on. Elisha, of course, I love, I love that uh, God gave us such wonderful examples of, of the power of His presence and what His presence can change. Elisha's servant woke up the, one morning and his world had ended. Round about him was this whole world of, of, of demonic powers that had been sent against to destroy his life. And when he complained to Elisha, what Elisha said, you're just looking at the wrong army. Instead of looking at the army of the Lord, you're looking at the army of the devil. What has got you down, honey? This year, God's going to help us to get our eyes on the right army. Instead of complaining about those that are against you, you're going to begin to praise God for those that God has sent to help you and to bring about change. Now, we could go on and on. We could talk about David. We could talk about... Samson, we talk so many because example after example, when you can't handle it, there's a presence of God that can handle it. When you cannot turn it around, there is a presence of God that can turn it around. When you can't move it, there's a presence of God that can move it. When you can't heal yourself, honey, there's a presence of God that can heal you. Amen. This is going to be the year of, of war. So in the process of it, then we're going to have to value our most valuable weapons that God has given to us. This morning, I'm so thankful for the name of Jesus and the authority it brings. I'm so thankful for the Word of God and the powerful sword that it will wield. I'm so thankful this morning for the authority of the believer that we can take authority over the devil. But I'm thankful this morning for the presence of God. For when I can't show up and do it, God can show up and do it. All I've got to do is move myself into a greater presence of the Lord. All right. Amen. Now, we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of close service this morning by talking about Joshua. And uh, I want to talk because Joshua had this... uh, had developed this sense for God's heart and for God's presence. So let's go back just a few places and all the way back to Exodus chapter 24. We find a little young man named Joshua. Now Joshua is a wonderful person to talk about in the Bible because there's very few people in the Bible that it's not recorded that they failed God. And that's why Joshua really, his, the Greek rendering of that is Jesus. In fact, Joshua had the same name as Jesus. And in the process of it, you don't find it in the Word where Joshua failed God. Although he started out so fearful and he had, was given to discouragement... And evidently, he was given to depression. Joshua learned early on 
if I can get close enough to God, God can change me. And so his heart burned for the presence of God. Now, to give us a little understand that, back in Exodus chapter 24, is a wonderful verse there. It says, So Moses and his assistant, or his servant Joshua, set out, and Moses climbed up the mountain to God. Now, at this point in history, we read about Moses. The powerful man of God that he was. But while Moses was having these spiritual encounters with God, in fact, at that point, the only man that was recorded that saw God face to face, Moses was literally having face to face encounters with God. But standing on Moses' side was this little servant, Joshua. Now, I don't know what it means when the Bible calls him a servant. I don't know if he went and got his slippers at night. <laughs> brought his toothbrush to him. I don't know what he did to do that. But the Bible just classifies Joshua as a servant. But really, Joshua was there was to see something and to desire something. Because God put Joshua in a place where he could see what a man was like that could have an encounter with God. And what a man could be like that could get to a place where he was face to face with God. And so what happened here, the Bible says when Moses climbed the mountain, Joshua was climbing that mountain too. I don't know what the little kid did. I don't know if he just hid behind the bushes and, and kind of looked out around and just wanted to see. But something developed in his heart, a desire to be in the presence of God the way Moses was in the presence of God. I'm going to tell you what, you can always be an onlooker or you can determine, I'm going to be a partaker. You've got a choice at that. Because people that have experiences with God, there's a price that's paid for them to have that experience with God. People that have the presence of God in a mighty way in their life, there's a price that's paid to get that. Well, you can always be turned aside for the, about the price or you can look at it and you say, that's for me. I want to be that close to God. And so, Joshua developed this desire. Now, Exodus chapter 33 said, Thus the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. <clears throat> then Moses would return to the camp. But notice what that verse says happened to Joshua. But the young assistant, or the young servant, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. God built within him a desire for the presence of God. And it has to be built in us. We have to desire it. We have to desire more of it. I don't know where you are in your journey toward the presence of God. But I do know at the spot you are now, God has created a desire in you for more. And if you will be willing, God will carry you into that deeper place. So Joshua stood at a distance and looked at Moses meeting with God. And then all of a sudden Joshua said, I'm going to stay here. Because when Moses would go into the tent to have a personal experience with God, 
to where he could feel God, where he could hear God, and eventually close to where he could see God. I don't know how many of you have that kind of personal experience, but that is where God's trying to draw you. And that's where God's trying to draw us. God's trying to draw us into that place. See, because to hear God, you've got to be close to God. Some people complain about, well, God never speaks to me. <laughs> and you spend your life as a complainer. God never speaks to me. You know what I see? You know, on television, you see that little kid's thumping, bless God, nobody, bless God. You're going to be that all your life. Or either you're going to make a decision. I'll pay the price it takes to know the presence of God. Because you've got to come to a place that not only you desire it, but that you begin to detect it and sense it. And You've got to become to a place to where that the you can you can walk into a room and people that you don't know you never ever see them but you walk into a place to a person that you're close to and your eyes will immediately go to them Amen. what i'm saying is god's got to build a desire that will go stronger and stronger in your heart and it's a it's a desire that i would come to a place to where i could sense god so that's where, that's where Joshua was. And also Joshua, God put him in a place where the presence of God led him everywhere he went. The, the Ark of the Covenant, it would lead out the, the tr- those that were traveling through the wilderness. The, the presence of God would literally lead them. And God taught Joshua that you're only going to get to the right destination if you're following the presence of God. And he taught him that the only safe place to be because they would follow that presence of God and that presence of God would keep them one step ahead of the enemy at all times. They also learned that provision came by following the presence of God. That they would follow the presence of God, follow the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of the presence of God, as they would follow that through the wilderness. They were fed with manna. They was able to have water to drink. They was able to have abundance in their life. And God wants you to know that same thing. Well, that's what Joshua knew. God, Joshua knew, if I'm going to be happy in this life, I will have to learn to follow the presence of God. And so Joshua did well, all through these years, that, that desire for the presence of God grew in Joshua. And all through the years, all of a sudden, now he finds himself fixing to enter into the promised land. Hundreds of years prior to that, God had promised His people what He had for them. I don't know what promises God has for you. I don't know what He's told you. But I do know this. is a good God. He's got some good promises. So whatever it is that God has promised you, it's the will of the Lord. And so Joshua had all these promises, but it was impossible. Now Moses had died, and Joshua is leading the children of Israel. And he's faced with this circumstance. But because he has learned how to get into the presence of God, and he's learned to willing to pay the price to be in the presence of God, now he's come to a place where he's got to have a face-to-face encounter. Many things in your life, like I said, can be handled through the presence of God that you know. But there's not a one of us that God is preparing us 
to face things that only a face-to-face encounter with Jesus will bring us through. That's what happened to Joshua. So we find out there, we're reading from Joshua chapter 5, and these will be our last verses we read here. Joshua chapter 5. After all of those years of God building up Joshua, what's it going to be like? I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to give the time. I'm willing to to give my life. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing. But what's it going to be like when I have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus? So Joshua in chapter 5, he said in verse 13, after waiting all these many years, after traveling up the mountain to be close to the Lord, after staying in the tent when others would leave out to be close to the Lord, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you my friend or your foe? Neither one, he replied. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground. In reverence, I am at your command. Because all of a sudden, Joshua didn't know what to look like. Joshua didn't know what it was going to feel like either. In fact, he mistook Jesus for an angel. But in the process of this, he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. What did it do for him? Immediately, the words came out of Jesus' life that changed the whole world for Joshua. Joshua. It said, take off your shoes, Joshua, for the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. I don't know what you did about that, but as I was praying over that, this is what the Lord shared with me. God had called Joshua to come to him all through those years. But now it came in a place in Joshua's life. He needed God. He had to leave three million people in to receive a promise that up until that time hadn't been able to receive one. In that place of responsibility, Joshua didn't know what he needed. All those other times, he would draw close to the Lord. But now it came time where God was going to draw close to him. So all of those years that Joshua sought to come into the presence of God. Now God said, I'm going to come in to you, Joshua. I guess it's like it is in the Bible where the challenge for us is come into the presence of the Lord. But then the command began to say, but now you open up your door. Open up your gate. And the King of Glory will come in. Who is this King of Glory? He's the one mighty in battle. He's the King of Glory. At this point in life, Joshua opened up his heart. He said, God, I need your presence. You've allowed me to come into your presence. I need your presence now. God came in to Joshua's life. Now, up until that time, all that Joshua had was a promise. 
But God led him right to the brink of the fulfillment of that promise. But now God gives him the second step. That's what the presence of God does. It gives you the next step. The next step was this. This ground is now holy, Joshua. You wanted me to come? I come. Everywhere I am is holy. Holy ground, this becomes a holy battle. This becomes a holy war. This becomes a holy God fighting and winning that war for the glory of God. All of a sudden, the battle came from Joshua's battle. And God helping him, it was placed in the hands of God and became God's battle. Because that which had been unholy, only by promise, but through the promise and through the presence of God, that which was unholy, maintained by Canaanites, became a holy place. When God showed up to come close, because Joshua has showed up to become close to God, now God shows up to be close to Joshua. That's what the New Testament says. Draw nigh to God and He draws nigh to us. And where Joshua has showed up to be close to God, now God shows up to be close to Joshua. And He said, Joshua, this ground is now holy. And everywhere there's holy, holy God is. Holy battle, that's what God told me. Holy battle, holy war, holy victory in Jesus' name. If you want God to win your battles, He's going to come out of you drawing close to Him. As you draw close to Him, and you come into places of need, you're going to find that God's going to come close to you. You're going to swing that gate open, and the Lord of glory is going to come in. And who is the Lord of glory? He's already dressed for your battle. (laughs) He's the mighty one. And He's dressed for battle. And he's dressed to win that situation. And he's dressed to win that circumstance. He's dressed to win that battle, whatever it is. He's dressed to win it and take it for the glory of God. Can you say amen? So we're going to close service. Stephen, would you mind coming back? We're going to close service today. There's certain things that I know. Number one, I can come into the presence of the Lord. I can begin to be thankful to Him. I can begin to be appreciative to Him. The Bible says, in fact, I enter through the gates of thankfulness in my life. And then the Bible tells me that, number one, I'm going to begin to come close to Him. And then in the midst of my need, I'm going to begin to ask Him to come close to me. Supernatural things are going to happen this year in your prayer life. There's going to become a the spiritual moments to where literally the presence of God, I believe, is going to show up in ways where that you're going to be able to physically, tangibly know this is different today. This is different. And God is here. God is here in with me. This year, you're going to have many, many, many wonderful visitations of the Lord. That is, if you're drawing close to Him. If you're taking your steps to be close to Him, <laughs> God's going to take some steps, honey. 
to come right into you. And you're going to begin to see, receive some inspirations. God's going to begin to inspire you. Some of you that's never talked in tongues before. It's because I can feel His presence. And the Bible says that some of you that are going to begin to respond with the Bible says spiritual songs. In fact, we're just going to get back to the Bible. And out of your heart, it's going to begin to respond with spiritual songs, songs of the Spirit. And God is going to begin to give divine impartations. You're going to begin to receive things that you couldn't receive other than in that presence of God. And you're going to begin to receive. And then out of that, you're going to begin to develop a heart of declaration. And all of a sudden, God's going to begin to come to you. I'm the God that's healing you. (laughs) I'm the God that's feeding you. I'm the God that's helping you. I'm the God that's overcoming for you. And instead of being discouraged and despondent, there's going to be a strength that's going to arise inside you. And and a declaration is going to begin to come out of your mouth. You're going to begin to decree, yes, God is my healer. And it's not going to be just words that's, that's, that's just flowing out of a mouth. They're going to be words that's flowing out of a spirit that's been energized by God. Literally, what happens is, under our vacuums, God's breath is going to come. All of those places that's grown empty on the inside of us, God's going those places that's been empty for so long are going to begin to swell up with the breath of God. You know the wonderful thing about the breath of God? The breath of God is going to begin to come out your mouth, man. Yes, I'm healed. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm healed! I'm in victory! I'm no longer under the bondage of that anymore. God has broken that off of my life. And all of a sudden, out of your mouth will become the decree of the Lord. Which the decree of God is so powerful because it's spoken with the breath of God that's filled the vacuum of our life. That breath becomes out the same kind of breath that came out of out of God when He walked out on nothing. He said, "Let there be." And everything that you and I see, hear, feel, touch came out of God's breath. Yes. And then there's going to be one other step that's going to be added this year into your life. Not only is there going to be the power to declare, there's going to be the power to proclaim. 
Now the declaration is that that is determined in my heart as God and I. We take that word and that word is breathed upon and, and brought breath into it. And, and all of a sudden that word that was just words on the page becomes life inside me. And, and I began to decree it and whisper it out my mouth. And, and God and I and the angels in heaven and, and those that we have a glorious time in that decree. But then God says now we're going to move it to the step further. Our proclamation is going to come. And God's going to bring out your mouth the strong declarations of God to a world that is dying without the breath of God. And then many will be drawn to you and many will be drawn to the words that you say because they're desperate for the breath of God in and where God stood over Adam all those years ago and breathed into Adam. And Adam came alive all over this world. God's going to use the breath that comes out of you. The breath of the mightiness of God. The breath of the glory of God the breath that declares how great he is and how mighty he is and how strong he is and where years before you may have said those very words but now they're empowered by the breath of God and they're literally going to bring to life all of those that are around you that God has sent you into this world to be helped and to change their lives for the glory of God Let's stand. Let's close it. Praise God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If there's some... Anybody here that, that needs the forgiveness of the Lord? Anyone need the forgiveness? Go on, raise your hand if you need the forgiveness. If you need the forgiveness of the Lord, come on to the front. You always. That's the first way we begin to show ourselves right for the presence of God. Because we're willing to repent of anything that God puts on our heart. We're willing to, if God convicts us, we're ready for forgiveness and we're ready to repent of it. Praise the Lord. So, so in Jesus' name. Is anyone else that, that you need to, need to find the forgiveness of the Lord? The God is so good at us. The Lord, Lord loves us. That's the first journey into the presence of God. Is we, we get things clear and His blood clears it. It's not that we can clear it. None of us can do it right. None of us can live it right. But we're willing to confess our sin and, and then He's willing to forgive us our sin. And He's willing to cause His blood to come over us in Jesus' name. I just want you to take your little head and just cock him up toward heaven a little bit. That's where He is up there. And I want you to just cock him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry, Lord. I'm just, I'm just so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. But I believe your blood, Lord. I believe your love, Lord. I believe your word, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you. And the Bible says the very moment we confess it is the very moment that he cleans it. And the very moment that he empowers it with his blood to change it for the glory of God. So go ahead and receive the forgiveness of the Lord. Let's, go. Let's close it with this praise.
Shout of praise. Thank you to the Lord. Come on, speak to the 